everyone, and welcome to The Mix Zone, the first edition of our podcast on Around the Rings, a weekly review of the ups and downs in the world of Olympic sport. I'm Ed Hula. And I'm Gerard Farrick. Glad you're here. And uh, we'll be reviewing some of the events of the week, uh, events coming up and uh, other things happening in the world of the Olympics. And uh, we're glad you joined us for this review on the mix zone. Uh, first thing, uh, as the Tokyo Olympics fade away, the big thing for the IOC and the Olympic movement is just months away. The Beijing 2022 Winter Olympics. Uh, we had some doubts about whether there would be Tokyo Olympics. And I guess folks have been wondering whether the same kind of threat hangs over the Beijing Olympics. But Gerard, it seems to me that uh, Beijing 2022 is coming. The Winter Olympics will be here next February, but they will be different. Yeah, it's. I think it's going to be even stricter, the guidelines. I mean, based on how the Chinese government is handling the COVID-19 pandemic at the moment, they are much more strict in their protocols. And I think you will see that reflected here, I guess, next month when the first playbooks come out from the IOC about uh, for the stakeholders. Um, I'm thinking compared to Tokyo, Beijing will be uh, a much more strict setup. Uh, and I would think it's not a surprise already that, yes, we're going to have a flame lighting coming up next month. And but we've heard nothing about a torch relay. Uh, and I'm wondering, you know, the torch relay in, in Japan was, of course, much smaller than it used to be with a lot fewer areas that had uh, spectators that were allowed. And you got to wonder, one, are they going to have a torch relay at all? And two, if they do have a torch relay, will it be, uh, I can't believe there will be any spectators. And I'm wondering if they're going to even have one at all. What do you think? Well, I, I would think that uh, the, the time has passed for them to organize a, uh, a major event like a torch relay across a, a country as big and as populous as China. Uh, as you say, we've heard nothing about it. In comparison to the news release that we got today from Paris 2024, talking about the first steps they were taking towards organizing the torch relay for 2024. We have heard nothing along those lines from Beijing and uh, with, uh, with the games five months away and the torch relay, which would start in just a few months, uh, nothing in the way of organizing. And, you know, I think in terms of, well, of maintaining safety, maintaining a, you know, uh, the, 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 the health of, of, of China and, and athletes uh, that uh, there probably won't be such a, a display with, with the relay. I think maybe they might go drop the flame, the torch into uh, 
provincial areas, major cities, that sort of thing. But uh, I don't think it's going to be the the day to day grind of of the torch relay that we'll be we'll be we'll be dealing with uh, in in Beijing. And the question of foreign spectators goes the same way. Um, I, I think Beijing is not very eager to have uh, a lot of people come to the country, um, have to deal with where people go. The question of, of quarantines becomes much simpler if uh, everybody stays home. And right now, from the United States, you can't get there from here. Uh, flights are, 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 are difficult to obtain. They're expensive. And I think I, I don't think Beijing is letting anybody from overseas in right now on a on a casual basis. So tens of thousands of uh, foreign tourists coming to cheer on the teams in Beijing. I don't think it will happen. Well, that seems to uh, blunt maybe some of the ideas, uh, specifically the idea of uh, Mitt Romney, who had raised it like uh, a possibility of an economic boycott for the Beijing Olympics because of the uh, issues tied with uh, the human rights uh, violations, et cetera, in, uh, in the region with the Uyghurs. Um, you know, the IOC hasn't really, doesn't even use the name, doesn't talk about it much, but uh, the idea that Romney had thrown out here a, a few months back was, you know, we will not send our, you know, fans over there. We don't want them spending money over in China. And well, now that seems to be a moot point. So uh, is there going to be like a diplomatic boycott? That, that that's would the be other the, thing that's been talked about, right? Yeah, that, that would seem to be the last option open for anybody to launch a protest uh, or some other uh, display of uh, unhappiness with uh, with Beijing policies but um, I, I, I'm, not, I'm not sure how much how much attention you know it, it would it would get uh, the only we have heard this week that Vladimir Putin has accepted an invitation from Chinese Premier Xi Jinping to come to the Olympic Games but we haven't heard much about any other heads of state uh, lining up to, to go to Beijing next February. Uh, just to, as, a, as, a, as a passing thought here, uh, Jacques Rogue, who, who, who died last month at the end of, at the end of August, he, uh, I'll talk, I remember talking to him in 2013, soon after China was awarded or rather, uh, 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 Tokyo was awarded the 2020 Olympics in 2013 at the end of his presidency, and he talked about uh, the rise of rise of Asia in the Olympics, and that the Pyeongchang Olympics in in 2018, followed by Tokyo in in 2020, uh, really showed how. Asia was was on the increase as far as the Olympic movement goes, and uh, that was followed, of course, uh, 
soon after by Beijing being awarded the Winter Olympic Games. But I think there's a, a fatigue kind of setting in here that uh, people will be very glad to relieve themselves of when, when the Beijing Olympics passes in, in, in 2022. Uh, I, I don't think there's much of an appetite to return to Asia for the Olympics anytime soon. But uh, Sapporo, Japan, certainly in the hunt for the 2030 Winter Olympic Games. And uh, I guess we'll see what happens. Yeah, you look at uh, what's happened since. I mean, there are obviously many reasons for it. Agenda 2020 and, and how changing how the whole bidding process works. But uh, coming up after Beijing, you've got Paris, you've got Milano, Cortina, you've got Los Angeles, and then you've got Brisbane, Australia. So those are all... Uh, Western countries, right? Uh, yeah. Australia, obviously, part of the West in the sense, political sense. Uh, and so you've got 2030. And like you said, that's the only one that's really open right now. And Sapporo is in the bidding for that. But you can't really consider them a favorite at all if they're going to be going up against Salt Lake City or Vancouver. Um and the other ones, you know, you've got the Barcelona, Spanish, Pyrenees. Whatever, yeah, whatever they figure that. Whatever, you know, whatever comes of that. But, um, yeah, so I think there's been a – it's an interesting switch because you've had – you know, you you would have had three straight Asian ones, and now all of a sudden it's – you're flipping back the other way, and there's no – like, well, let's go to this region one time and then maybe next time we'll go to another region. It's, it's, I don't know if there's any planning to that, but I agree with you. It's, I think it shows uh, they've had enough and they want to try something different, I think. Um, the UN General Assembly meeting this week in, in New York, it's often a kind of a big deal for the IOC, but uh, this year, not so much. Uh, often the IOC president has been at the, at the UN General Assembly this week in, in New York, uh, meeting one-on-one -on -one with uh, heads of state and other representatives of, uh, of uh, countries at the UN. But Thomas Bach is uh, in Europe and uh, will, not be, uh, will not be traveling to the UN this week. Uh, very low-key presence at the General Assembly. Uh, yeah, you would think uh, they have observer status there, and you would think maybe it would be noteworthy enough that they would have, you know, that Bach would travel. He is not, he has shown he's not against travel uh, during the pandemic, so I don't believe that is part of it, but... Uh, I guess also there, it is true that there are quite a few people who are attending this maybe uh, virtually. So they figure they can be one of those. And uh, we do have at least one IOC member who will be, who spoke, I believe, uh, 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 Sheikh Tamim, the Emir of uh, Qatar. Uh, is still an IOC member, and uh, I think he spoke yesterday at the uh, at the meeting. But that's about the uh, 
about the only high-level IOC presence uh, in, in the General Assembly. Uh, I w- 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 we would mention that uh, Alberto Moreno, who is the IOC member in Colombia, uh, is, is the IOC's special representative for the United Nations, and he is in New York representing the IOC's interests and keeping an eye on things. Uh, Moreno came to the IOC, uh, I think, about uh, four or five years ago, and he's uh, been very active in international uh, uh, finance and, and banking and has a, you know, a very good background dealing with uh, uh, NGOs and uh, organizations like, like the UN. So while it's uh, a low-key presence at the UN, the IOC is still still represented and uh, has an observer there following things. A um, few other things happening this week. Uh, Ice Hockey Federation getting ready to elect a new president. Yeah, that's right. Uh, it's hard to believe. Um, they've Renee Fassel has been there for, well, forever, it seems like. <laughs> 1994. Yes. Wow. Uh, but uh, it's they've got a few things to, to iron out, but they one of the big things that uh, for them is that the NHL players, the National Hockey League players, the best players in the world have agreed to go uh, to the Beijing Olympics. So that is something that has they've been working on for it seems like forever, but it, it certainly months, if not years, trying to get this squared away after the NHL players decided, or well, they didn't decide. The players wanted to go to Pyeongchang, but the league couldn't agree uh, with the IOC and every and to, to bring them there for uh, Pyeongchang. So the, the players made it a point in the last uh, collective bargaining agreement that uh, part of the deal is that we get to go back to the Olympics. So that has happened, and I think that for the Ice Hockey Federation is a, is a big deal. And uh, we do want to mention the uh, there are five candidates uh, running for, for president. They include Henrik Bach-Nielsen of Denmark, Peter Britza from the Czech Republic, uh, Sergei Goncharov from Belarus, uh, Franz Reindl, the uh, German... Hockey Federation president and Luke Tardif of France, the uh, the fifth candidate, the uh, executive committee of the uh, uh, IIHF will meet in Saint Petersburg, Russia, this weekend, and they will select the uh, successor to to uh, uh, Renee. Yeah, to Renee Vassell. Having a senior moment here. It's okay. It's <laughs> I guess okay. it's still out once or twice. <laughs> so, uh, speaking of elections, uh, we had a we had a couple of them uh, this week. Uh, one of them tied uh, uh, Spiros Kapralos, uh winning a fourth term. He says his last term as. Uh, uh, Greek NOC president. Um, Greece is going to be busy next month. The IOC coming for a for a, a more than a few days. Looks yeah, like. 
uh, executive board meeting is coming up in, in October. Uh, that one or two day meeting in Athens uh, will be uh, the first time that they've met, I believe, in in Greece in this way since the 2004 Olympics in Athens. Uh, so it's, uh, it's, it's, it's been some time since they've, uh, since they've gone to Greece and, uh, they'll have the, uh, executive board meeting, uh, followed by a trip to Olympia. They'll, uh, I don't know how they'll get there, but it's, a it's a hike. If you, if you go, if you go by car, a very, very fast car and, uh, don't pay attention to the speed limits, takes you about four hours to drive from Athens to, uh, to Olympia in the Peloponnese. Uh, otherwise, some sort of air transport would be needed to get them, get them back and forth for the, uh, for the flame lighting as well as the uh, uh, inauguration, the grand opening of uh, renovations for the Olympic Academy in, uh, in Olympia. Uh, it's a beautiful campus, but uh, it is obviously... Not a lot been done with it in the uh, 60 or 70 years that it's been uh, located there in Olympia and uh, needed work from the, from the ground up, water system, the sewage system, accommodations, restaurants, everything is supposed to be renewed and in good shape for the, uh, for the Academy to uh, continue with its uh, program of classes and, uh, and, and meetings. And uh, we also uh, uh, would note that uh, uh, the, the crowds are going to be very limited in, in Olympia for the lighting of the Olympic flame for, for, for Beijing, uh, much like it was handled uh, last, well, last year they did have uh, a very, very limited uh, participation in torch, torch lighting, the flame lighting for, for the Tokyo Olympics. Uh, and then the flame, of course, got put into a holding pattern in, 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 in Japan after it was lit. But uh, there were a few spectators there, and I think it's going to be the same thing with the, uh, with the torch lighting next month in Olympia as well. But traditionally, the, the Winter Olympic torch lighting has been a, a pretty low-key affair without, without many people there. So let's, uh, let's wrap this up as, you know, we were planning to go only so long. And, of course, we've gone longer. But, you know, that always happens. Uh, but uh, I wanted to mention a couple of things on the uh, Paralympics front. Uh, Andrew Parsons has been nominated as the sole candidate to for a second term as the International Paralympic Committee president. And also today, uh, we found out that uh, wheelchair basketball has been provisionally put back into the program for Paris 2024. So that was, that was another one of these uh, long-term problems that the IPC was trying to work out with wheelchair basketball in terms of uh, making sure everything was within the rules as to how the sport is is run and who is eligible and those sorts of things and and uh, it's good news that now this is this has been resolved and wheelchair basketball is back or will be in 
Paris. And uh, one other note of congratulations before we go away. Uh, Ur Erdner, re-elected president of the International Archery Federation, World Archery. Uh, he's been, uh, been, been president of the organization since, uh, I think, 2006, uh, middle part of uh, that, that decade there. He, of course, is an uh, IOC member in Turkey, uh, head of the uh, Medical and Scientific Commission of the IOC, and uh, one of the real gentlemen of the, uh, of the Olympic movement. It's a pleasure to know him and, uh, and work with him. And it sounds like he'll be serving a you know a final final term as president of of World Archery and uh, other other people young younger people will be stepping forward to uh, take the reins of, of of that federation eventually there. So I guess that does it for us uh, this week. Sure, uh, the, there's always so much to talk about, but we got to stop at some point, right? Uh, We'll save the rest for next week, right? And we'll have plenty more to talk about then when we uh, come back with the uh, next edition of The Mix Zone with me, Ed Hula. And me, Gerard Ferrick. Until then, so long. So long.